Welcome to the Dog Friendly KW Podcast with your hosts, Justine and Mackenzie on Midtown Radio KW. joined by Juanita Metzger. Juanita is the owner and operator of Stroll Walking Tours, a writer and longtime community worker. Juanita's work focuses on slow travel and local experiences. So today we're excited to chat with Juanita about hyper-local travel with your dog. It's getting harder to see your face. Welcome to the Dog Friendly KW Podcast with your hosts, Justine and Mackenzie on Midtown Radio KW. And today we are here with Juanita Metzger, advocate for the hyper-local travel and fellow Kitchener residents. So welcome, Juanita. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. We are very happy to have you here. I feel like a lot of our work... um, intersects accidentally. Um, and I feel like we have a lot of similar interests. We also love the the slow local travel life. Um, we've really leaned into that through the pandemic. So really excited to chat today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I've been watching the growth and evolution of Dog Friendly KW. And and uh, I think it's, it's, it's so great to see something uh, very grassroots and locally focused form um, out of our community. Absolutely. Well, before we get started today, um, we would love if you could give us a quick intro to yourself. Um, and of course, if you have any pets, we would want to hear all about them. For sure. Um, well, I've lived in Kitchener since the year 2000 when I moved here to work at the House of Friendship, actually. And uh, since then, I've spent about 18 years working in neighborhood and community development. Um, and in the last number of years, I've uh, shifted a little bit more into <clears throat> some other endeavors. Um, but I did also grow up in Waterloo Region. My family has a farm in Wellesley Township in the little teeny tiny hamlet of Macton, um, which is on Highway 86. If you're going west towards Lake Huron, um, outside of Waterloo Region, you'll pass through Wallenstein and then Macton and Dorking and smaller communities. Um, and of course, on any farm, there are always uh, lots and lots of pets. For me, it was mostly bunnies and cats. Um, and of course I had the honor of naming all of our farm cats and I would come up with very unusual names. Oh, please share, please share a few. (laughs) Um, some of my favorites were, um, were Bogey and Hummer. Um, uh, Hummer didn't really have a purr. He just kind of had this constant hum about him. Yeah. Um, Bogey liked to be swept with a broom. He liked, liked it on his on his back. And um, Elias. And then, you know, the uh, typical 
kid names of you know snowball and butterscotch and <laughs> of course peaches and perkins and <laughs> that's a lot of cats and bunnies oh, yeah. there, there are many more that i don't even remember anymore there were litters and litters of kittens oh my gosh yeah. <laughs> all right kens well why don't you take us away with the first question let's get into some of the juicy content yes let's dive in so um Juanita, why don't you start by telling us exactly what hyperlocal travel means? Some of our listeners might not be as familiar with the term. Yeah, hyperlocal travel is becoming a little more common, um, you know, commonly heard. And um, it kind of means, to me, it means um, a couple things at the same time. One is that it's about geography. And so for some people, hyperlocal means traveling to places close to home. Um, you know, maybe it's a, a distance radius or maybe it's, you know, one, one hour to four hours to one day away from home. But places that you can get to very quickly and geographically close to home. Um, on another hand, it can also be sort of an approach or a mindset um, or sort of the impact of your travels um, when you're traveling farther afield or traveling internationally. Um, and hyperlocal, if you're traveling in another country, that it could be um, that you're experiencing a more direct connection to the people and places and destinations when you're traveling. Um, so rather than going to the big tourist attractions or tourist centers of cities, it's finding places that are a little more locally connected to people who live in a city or a town or a province. So, um, uh, so I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm thinking big here. So as an example, I'm traveling to Paris and of course I want to go to the Eiffel Tower. That would be like a big landmark, but I also want to hit up all of the little pubs and, you know, restaurants that only the local people know and love. So that's kind of what you're referring to, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you might stay in a smaller neighborhood in an area outside the main uh, tourist center of Paris, where you can, um, you know, spend the morning in going to a, a cafe for coffee, and then you wander down the street and discovered that, oh, this neighborhood has a public library, and you go check out the public library, and, um, and you find... Uh, you know, maybe at the library, you see posters for things that are happening that week or that weekend around the neighborhood. And so you have an opportunity to check out maybe a local food market or uh, a music event or um, something where you can meet people who live locally. Um, you can meet local hosts, makers, growers, um, people who have uh, a, a different uh, flavor of what it means to live in that city or community. Juanita, yeah. it sounds like that soccer game behind you is getting real rowdy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's a, it's a nightly affair. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, 
I love hearing you talk about the hyper-local travel stuff because, and not to like take us on a tangent or anything, but one of the things that I love when I go to a new country is I love going to grocery stores and I love going to convenience stores. There's just like something, maybe it's because I lived in Asia and there's like an amazing convenience store culture, but there's something so special about going to like a local like mom and pop supermarket and seeing like the different produce they offer and the different types of like snacks you can buy that you would never see at home or finding a snack you really love at home and they happen to have it in this really foreign place or a place that's foreign to you. And I, yeah, it sounds like it kind of ties into the, the hyper local piece. So we would really love to hear how you became interested in hyper local travel and why, why is this such a passion of yours and why is this really important for, um, for our listeners to know about. Yeah. Um, it's actually one of the very first ways that I ever traveled. Um, so one of the first, the first times I traveled, I traveled to visit friends in other countries. And so I stayed in small towns in out of the way places, um, that took, you know, a more, um, indirect journey. And so one of the first places was to England and so stayed in a a small town in the Western part of of England. And we just went on road trips and day trips. And we went to visit the senior's home where she worked. Uh, We walked down the town and uh, the World Cup was on. And so we sat in the pub with all of the... um, regular pub goers crying in their beer over England's loss to Argentina. And um, we would drive to meet a friend in the next town over and then walk back home along the canal path. And it, it um, was just such a, a rich connected experience to see where she lives and how she lives and meet friends and walk to the grocery store to get food, to make dinner that night. And, um, it just had a really strong impact on me that this was a very casual, slow way to travel. And that kind of suits my style, that I like to linger and explore places uh, a little more deeply. Um, and it, uh, it became the way that I travel in general. I tend to go to a place and stay for as long as possible at one time, you know, two weeks or three weeks if I can, um, just to be able to stay in one place and explore, uh, whether it's by walking or doing day trips. Um, and I find that that it helps me to develop a bit of a stronger connection to that place and understand a little bit more about what makes it tick. Um, it's a much stronger investment in the local economy too. So that's another thing about hyper tra- hyperlocal travel is that it really is focused on boosting local economies that have a, a much, your, your dollar goes to um, uh, people who own the convenience store or the fruit market stand or the, uh, the, the local restaurant at the corner. And I love that it goes towards the people that actually live in that and and breathe in that community. Um, yeah. That is that is really uh, 
special and I think everybody should should think that way but uh, I'm a little biased by grandparents are business owners and uh, so uh, but anyway um, that is that is that is really great thank you so much for sharing so far Juanita Um, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back to chat about how dogs can fit into this hyper local travel space so we will be right back Welcome back to the Dog Friendly KW Podcast with your hosts, Justine and Mackenzie on Midtown Radio KW. And today we're talking to Juanita Metzger about hyper-local dog travel. So let's get back into it. In the first half of today's episode, we learned about what hyper-local travel is, and we started to touch on why it's important. So before we dive into some dog-specific discussions, Juanita, can you go into a little more depth as to why hyper-local travel is so important? For sure. Um, it's, it's actually become more prominent and more important in the last 10 years, uh, really, as we've seen the global Im- Im- impact of things like over-tourism in many cities, um, people being more concerned about the climate impact of international travel, things like cruise ships and uh, air travel, Um, And also rethinking the whole idea of what is sustainable tourism, what is responsible tourism and travel. Um, And so people are starting to make different choices about where they travel and how they travel and why they travel. And I think hyperlocal travel fits a growing niche and a desire for people to, um, to do travel differently. Amazing. Um, That was the perfect way to sum that up. So now let's explore the intersection between dog ownership and hyperlocal travel. So Juanita, where do you see dogs and dog owners fitting into the hyperlocal travel space? How can dog owners really embrace this hyperlocal travel mindset? Well, it's no secret that many people consider their dog as part of the family. So there's no reason why um, dogs uh, shouldn't travel with their families. And actually, the tourism and travel industry has identified dog owners as a very specific demographic and travel segment. And so there is a huge um, marketing um, Uh, Yeah, there's a, a great degree of marketing directed at dog owners from pet travel services to pet travel accessories to websites that uh, give listings of you know pet friendly cities and towns and within those towns places to stay and restaurants and dog parks and trails and and so on making it really easy for people to be able to do their research um Europe is probably farther ahead than North America in terms of having a very dog-friendly hospitality and tourism industry. Um, But I think as pet owners, developing a travel mindset with your pet is really actually quite easy Um, because pet owners, they know their dogs' routines and habits and 
they have all of those when they travel too, just like we do. And we get out of sorts if we lose our habits and routines. So a dog can actually facilitate people um, easing into a hyper-local travel uh, approach. Um, And that's by integrating some of your regular daily dog routines when you travel. So as as an example, um, if you do a regular walk in the morning, choose maybe a neighborhood a little farther away and go and walk the streets, maybe stop at a coffee shop and guaranteed you will meet other dogs and dog owners. And that's a great entry point into talking to people about how long have you lived here? What's good in the neighborhood? What's happening this weekend? Where should I go? What should I see? Um, where's the best dog park? The, like kids, dogs can be a great entry point into making connections. Um, and you can do very hyper-local things like you know, joining a, a local dog walking group or um, you know, joining an event uh, that's specifically geared to, to dog walkers or or um, or dog owners, um, yeah. Visiting you know visiting a dog park is also a, another great way to meet the needs of your pet, but also make connections to people in the local community, um, so that you get a chance to see neighborhood areas rather than simply tourist destinations. And your dog is probably pretty happy too to have outdoor time and to be able to uh, have some of their regular daily routines. I love how simple this concept of hyperlocal travel can be. It can be as easy as, you know, saying instead of doing my typical walk around my neighborhood today, we're going to get in the car, we're going to drive to a different neighborhood, maybe grab a coffee and go for a stroll. And Kitchener Waterloo has some cute neighborhoods. I'm just going to put that out there. So (laughs) the stuff doesn't have to be complicated, friends at all. So I love that. Um, So we would love to hear some of your favorite hyper local spots that are also dog friendly. So if our listeners wanted to dive into some hyper local travel, where should they start? Well, um, a couple things. One is I love cafes and coffee shops that are dog friendly and have dog treats outside or, you know, maybe are on the counter and so that uh, there's a treat for the owner and a treat for the dog as well. And um, Cafe Pyrus on the Spurline Trail that, I, I mean, every dog knows to stop there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, Dog Friendly KW has also done some great guides that uh, feature businesses and restaurants and patios that are very dog friendly. Um, I love that St. Jacob's, the village of St. Jacob's has done a great job at um, highlighting the friendliness of the village as a whole. Yes. And, um, and I would also suggest um, there's a, a, a local dog. Her name is, or her Instagram account is Everybody Loves Rita. And Rita moved here from Ireland with her owner, Sarah. And the two of them travel extensively both locally and around Ontario as they're, you know, exploring their new home. And they have lots of great locations locally, um, but also when they travel to places like Kingston and camping, and they give great advice about how to research ahead of time, you know, places that are, are really dog friendly and um, to make their experience a fabulous one. 
Yeah, we um, we do agility with Sarah and Rita and um, have had the pleasure of meeting her at a few of our events. And yeah, uh, yeah they're a great crew. Uh, they're they're great partners that travel around. And exactly. Yeah, they do give very, very good advice. But um, yeah. and great education about what it's like to travel with a dog. Yes. Yes. Which can, I mean, we try to give as many tips as we can about that because it's definitely, it's, it's a learning curve when you learn what works for you, what works for your dog and what type of travel you want to do with them. So my partner and I have landed that we really love taking Marshall to Airbnbs, just like random town, renting an Airbnb and just seeing what the community has to offer and hanging out, not really doing a whole lot except walking around and going to random places. And that seems to be what's been working for us the last couple of years. And we really like doing that. That's awesome. Yeah. I think success is going to be involve research, 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 um, and finding out as much as you can in advance. Um, so that there are, uh, there aren't as many surprises <laughs> and, uh, and being respectful of the, um, of the, the rules that business owners and uh, other municipalities have put in place and, and then families and their dogs will have a fabulous time. Yeah. Yeah. I find that with the, with integrating your dog into travel experiences, you sometimes need to have like an additional layer of planning. So I'll, I'll seldom book a destination without checking you know is there at least one dog friendly like brewery or winery is there at least like a trail close by or a beach or a body of water that is dog friendly um and I find just knowing that we have like a couple of things in our pocket so that we can make sure that our dog is actually integrated into the experience because I would hate to bring my dog on a trip and then have to like leave him at the Airbnb while we go out and do things. So there's always this like advanced planning step to make sure that there's at least some dog friendly stuff before going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And dog owners know their dog's personality best and what kind of adventure or travel they would like, you know, are they more subdued and like, you know, quiet cafes or, you know, are they more of adventure dog where, you know, like provincial parks that have specific dog trails and dog beaches and, you know, they get to run around with other dogs. So travel is is um, unique to each person, but also to dogs as well. For sure. Love that. Yep. You nailed it. Dogs, people, similar, but different. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Juanita, for sharing all of that. We are certainly feeling inspired to head out on another local adventure with our pups. So we're going to take a quick break and come back with hyper-local themed lightning round. Happy trails. time for one of our favorite segments, our lightning round. Um, 
Um, so in, in this segment, um, we often do this segment with guests. Um, we like to ask a series of rapid fire questions. And the theme today is hyper local travel. Duh. Ken, do you want to kick us off with the first question? Yes. Okay, Juanita. So to all of our local dog owners, um, say this coming weekend, I have a free afternoon. What would you recommend we do? Okay, I would recommend uh, going to St. Jacob's and taking a long walk along the Health Valley Trail. Uh, Mm -hmm. It goes along the Conestoga River. It goes through some farm fields, so very important to keep your dog on a leash, like the sign says. Uh, Close the gate uh, when you pass through. Um, And it's just a lovely, uh, very quiet, scenic route, and it feels like you could be in pastoral England. I love that. I love that too. And uh, thank you for plugging Keep Your Dog on a Leash, because yes, (laughs) keep your dog on a leash. Okay, um, where is, and it doesn't have to be dog friendly because I figure you can get takeout. Where is your favorite coffee shop in town? Oh, I have a couple. Okay, um, you can give a couple. Yep. Show and Tell mm-hmm. and, and Matter of Taste mm-hmm. are, my, are my two go-tos. Amazing. Yeah. So Matter of Taste Patio, I believe, Mackenzie, dog friendly? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, show and Tell Patio technically dog friendly but very small <laughs> yes sidewalk yes <laughs> uh, all right Ken, do you have another one Juanita what is in the Kitchener Waterloo area slash Cambridge what is your favorite hidden gem oh my goodness it's um, a hard one <laughs> I know yeah because I've done uh, quite a few of them um, uh, a hidden gem that uh, people who know me would find a bit surprising is that uh, KW has a basketball team, National Basketball League of Canada, the KW Titans. And I went in 2019 for a first game because I was writing a hyperlocal travel column. And I thought, I've never been to a sports game in my own town. I should go. So I went to the KW Titans. And I loved it. <laughs> and so I've kept going. And this year, um, they, it has been a great season post-pandemic. And they're now going on to the finals. So it's been super fun. I, and the games are, are, are really reasonably priced. And they're really great fun, entertaining. I so second. Fun. I love that. I second this. I had never been to a kid to a Rangers game before until they were in the playoffs, and within a month we went to four different games just because they were so fun. Yeah, yeah. So again, very hyper local. You know, it's a local team, and yeah, and reasonably priced, and just so fun, and you just get to cheer on your KW teams. All right, Justine, last lightning question. Okay, favorite local trail or park? I'll let you pick. Mm, also a tough one since there are many. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do love any trail that is close to water. And um, so I do love you know, the Walter Bean Trail. Um, I love that uh, you can actually um, 
walk to Cambridge and crossing over the 401 by the pedestrian bridge and, you know, walking along the Grand River through Blair. Um, I like a trail where you can get to a destination too, so that it becomes not only, um, you know, the walking journey, but you can get somewhere too. Um, and I also like a little trail that uh, follows Schneider Creek um, in, in downtown Kitchener. And it passes through a park called Filsinger Green. And the city recently re-naturalized the, the creek and so removed the concrete sides that had been poured there in the 70s, 80s as a way to control the, the water. And so it's now all naturalized with rocks and plant growth. And um, you can actually hear the water moving um, and it's just quite lovely to see a re-naturalized water um, space in a, in an urban park. And that is great. Us humans, and I'm sure the dogs would love that as well. Everybody loves hearing one, running water. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, there you have it. There is our hyper-local lightning round. You've been listening to the Dog Friendly KW podcast, and today we have been talking to Juanita Metzger. So thank you so much for chatting with us today. Juanita, if our listeners would like to get in touch or learn more about your work, where can they find you? Yeah, they can find me at strollwalkingtours.com or on Instagram, also through Stroll. Um, and my personal Instagram at Juanita Metzger and also at Juanita Metzger on Twitter. Beautiful. Thank you so much again, Juanita. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in to the Dog Friendly KW podcast. Until next time. Bye. Thank you. It's been great fun. <laughs> Thanks, Juanita. Thank you. Thank you.